This podcast is for investment professionals only. Hello, and welcome to the first Fidelity Real Estate podcast. My name is Adrian Benedict, Investment Director. And over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll be talking through the most pressing issues facing the UK real estate market. What's going on on the high street and what it means in particular for our landlords. But it's worth remembering our landlords are us. It's our pension schemes that are investing in this asset class in particular. Another thing we'll be talking about is disruption and its implications in real estate. It's rare that the two words, disruption and real estate, find a home together. In the podcast, I'll be talking to Mark Young. Mark is the Vice Chairman of Stiefel Investment Bank. Alison Puha is the UK Fund Manager here at Fidelity. And Kim Politzer, who's our Head of Research. I started by asking Kim where the UK property market finds itself. Well, obviously people are looking at the difficult political situation and the high levels of uncertainty. But I think the interesting thing is that if you look at the real estate fundamentals, the market doesn't look broken at the moment. So we haven't seen significant increases in unemployment and therefore we haven't seen significant decreases in demand for space. In fact, if you look at the the, the global take-up numbers for the UK, a take-up's been above the 10-year average, both in the office and the logistics and industrial sector this year. And that means that in those sectors, rents have been stable or in some cases have actually been rising. And from an investor perspective, we still see plenty of dry powder uh, targeting European real estate more broadly. But London has still been attracting its fair share of that um, that capital and investors continue to look at London from a wide range of locations. So we've seen big deals done by Germans, Spaniards, uh, money from South Korea and from Hong Kong during the year. So the fundamentals look okay. I mean, that's quite a rosy picture given what we might be seeing on the newspapers, on the TV screens. Is that what you're seeing, Alison? Well, on the occupational side, things um, definitely feel relatively comfortable. Yes, tenants, particularly for large, shiny office buildings, are maybe being a bit more cautious about making a decision to take more space. But on the industrial side, um, there's continued demand, take up competition from tenants for good quality units. Of course, retail is a whole nother story, which is very tough at the moment for landlords. Fidelity has issued some research recently suggesting quite significant markdowns. Are we seeing any of that yet? What are you seeing, as it were, on the high street? Well, I know that the headlines from that picked up, again, some very big numbers. It's a mixed picture out there, but generally quite negative, uh, in particular for shopping centres. Owners of shopping centres are finding that it's very difficult to plug the holes when tenants depart. And it's a cumulative effect. So you lose some of your key footfall tenants and your remainder men um, also disappear. Um, So I think shopping centres are probably of the three sectors of retail warehouse, shopping centres and high street, the toughest at the moment for landlords. If we look at high street retail, um, we're also seeing difficulties there. We've got a few small um, vacant units in our portfolio. We're just being realistic about the reletting rents and able to get some demand across the piece for that space. I think people aren't being realistic about 
rents and not being realistic about pricing, they're going to end up at the end of the year um, looking forward into 2019 with some really big valuation falls to come. Retail warehouse, I would say, is... uh, mixed depending on your location. So you need to really be focused on the centres where the tenants are trading better. So you've obviously talked about tenants affordability and hence that's really what you're getting at in terms of driving the variance depending upon shopping centres or perhaps cheaper places where they operate such as retail warehouses. Can you elaborate a little bit more in terms of, you know, let's imagine you've got some capital to to put to work over the next six to 12 months. The headlines are quite negative. Everyone's thinking almost about catching a, a falling knife. If you were forced to, where would you put your money into the retail space? If I was forced to, then I would be focusing on the retail warehouse sector, but looking um, perhaps at those locations where the rents are in the region of 20, 25 pounds a foot rather than significantly higher from that, because I think that's still affordable space for retailers. And it works very well for them, particularly on click and collect. So Mark, I mean, given your perspective, looking at things very much more from the, as it were, the bigger picture on the listed side of the market, How is this retail theme playing out in your space? Uh, Well, the stock market gives some pretty clear indications as as to what it thinks about the retail sector at the moment. If you look at um, how different property companies are trading at the moment in terms of valuation, by which the main benchmark is is a discount or premium to uh, their net asset value per share, the three companies who are trading on the biggest discounts to NAV in the listed sector at the moment are all retail property landlords, and indeed they're all shopping centre landlords. Um, Kaplan Regional trades at a mid-40% discount. Um, Hammerson trades on a bigger discount than that, and Into is trading on a 67% discount to current net asset value. Now, of course, that leads one to debate whether or not um, the share price is correct or whether the net asset value against which that share price is being compared is wrongly marked. And it would seem to me the stock market is saying very loudly to the valuation profession that they do not believe the valuations that are out there for shopping centres. Where does a retail allocation then sit when you're building out? Uh, portfolios, diversified portfolios, I'm thinking. There's obviously clearly a lot of investors have got quite sizable positions. Is it just simply no longer going to be a core part of a diversified commercial real estate allocation? or doesn't it just feel simply... like it to me. Um, I think there's, there's, there's two halves to this, really. It's have you been clever enough not to own shopping centres today and therefore you've enjoyed that the benefits of that portfolio allocation on your performance. But then going forward, um, it's going to get even worse for those who, who, who do own. Um, and really, it, anyone who can right-size their portfolio um, to not own retail is going to be in far, far better shape over the next few years when it comes to benchmarking performance. Only this morning I was glancing, say, at New River's um, numbers, and although their portfolio yield has drifted a little bit, there's been really very, very little valuation decline from them over the last couple of years. So there's a lot of pain to be had from owners of retail who ha- do not have reali- realistic valuations. And I think yet. one of the challenges has been that... Um, a lot of people have bought into the story that the best quality shopping malls that offer the the experience that everyone's been talking about, about how that physical retail has to offer experience, are going to hold up their values. But I think the reality is that it's going to be very difficult for those um, 
locations to um, see their rents stabilise because so many retailers are seeing their profits squeezed and therefore rationalising their portfolios to only the very best store, best performing stores, which means that the rents have to be affordable, again picking up a theme that Alison has been focusing on, um, will be the ones that continue to have occupation. So I think there's, there is some real pain to come both both at the prime end of the market as well as the secondary end of the market. So perhaps then fast, almost fast forwarding that theme and let's see it's played out over the next few years. Do you see there being any opportunities with some of this retail space that's redundant? Mark? Um, I think in the short term, it's a huge mistake to look at retail property and say, can we can we buy this on, on, on a good value basis? The only time that retail within the next many, many years will become good value is when the land values have fallen so far that you can buy those buildings and redevelop them for residential or some other usage. Um, looking at these things and thinking that you can inject a value retail proposition is more of a, a deck, deck chair shuffling um, strategy than one which will yield um, good return to investors. That's a sobering well, thought, isn't it? Well, I, I disagree a little bit because I think that there will be retail that will still be an attractive place to shop. I don't think we're going to go to 100% online shopping ever. Um, and people do enjoy the retail experience, but it's the right sort of experience. It's not going to be a me-too town with the same old boring facias where actually it takes you longer to find something in a shop than you can on your, your smartphone. Um, so I think there will be locations. And as ever, we always do this in the real estate market. It will be overdone. So there will come a point where it becomes very attractive to get back in. Putting it back to you there, Alison, Mark was suggesting it's not even started to be done yet in the real estate market. Uh, well, it's not going to be next month or possibly not even next year. <laughs> <laughs> Alison, I, I do agree that um, we will continue to do lots of shopping on, on the high street or shopping centres. Of that, I have no doubt. And what would it, in, internet retail penetration in the UK is low 20s and forecast to say to go to high 30s. Um, so you, you're spot on. But... We need to think about the value of retail property in that context with the amount of vacancy and void and oversupply we have today. And then there will be a growing amount of void and vacancy and oversupply. And even though there will be plenty of retailers who wish to operate in a given centre, um, they will be able to drive incredibly hard bargains. So the rents are going to rattle down and down and down because market forces are going to take them there. And on that basis, the capital values of shopping centres today are still far, far too high. I guess that's where I'm coming from. Mm. But we're not a million miles apart, I don't think. No, no. And I think at the end, we're going to come to a, another theme that's sort of a, a favourite of everyone at the moment is that gen, you, we end up with genuinely mixed-use schemes. So that some of that retail will have to go over to residential. Some of it will come to perhaps healthcare-type schemes, community facilities. But it's going to take a lot of... Uh, planning also um, to support these changes of use and some I think some local authorities are already starting to see the need but I think there's there's an awful lot of um, requirement from local authorities to really understand that those retail values are falling and that they can't rely on retail rateable values to 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 support their coffers and that to create a sustainable community they too are going to have to be part of this change. Moving on, perhaps there might actually be some places that are perhaps less grim than the retail high street. Um, I'm looking, I'm getting slightly quizzical faces, I have to say. Um, perhaps over to you, Alice. Where are you seeing 
value just now in the UK market? You touched on logistics industrial. Well, yeah, I'll start by saying where I'm seeing rental growth and I'm seeing uh, valuation increases, and that is in across the board of whether it's warehouse, light industrial or logistics. And uh, for most of the years of my career, rents never moved in, in the industrial sector. Then we had a period um, back in 2008, 2009, where rents went down. And since then, there's been a phenomenal growth in um, both rental values and also valuation of um, the industrial properties in the industrial sector. But where that's led us to today is that it's become perfectly normal to pay yields um, even in the threes, low fours, uh, for industrials based on expected rental growth. And here is where the market will make the same mistake as quite often it makes, which is treating all properties equally. And really that rental growth is only going to come through at the rates expected for the very best properties. So I think by picking your way through the market, I think there's still good value to be to be had there. And uh, I'm a particular fan of uh, London and Southeast Industrial. Mark, is that a similar theme to what you're seeing in the listed market? Logistics commanding better pricing? C- certainly the companies we talk to um, involved in logistics continue to be very enthusiastic about them. But uh, I would echo what Alison is saying, that, that there's a price for everything and we may be reaching peak, peak pricing. Um, so so what one needs to be careful there. They, they're clearly the ever-shrinking supply of, of London um, urban um, logistics space um, is, is something which is, is worth tracking. Other areas, positive areas to think about. The first one I might say, which might surprise every listener, is actually the city office market. You'd think with everything that's going on around us, one, one should be nervous of the city office market. But um, we ourselves are out you know, looking for space at the moment. Um, we want something in the region of 50,000 square feet. And um, it's beginning to look like it, it might be a bit of a landlord's market. There is not much new space out there. OK, there's a few towers, but if you don't want to be in a tower, there are not many options. So that's that's an interesting market to, to, to think about elsewhere. And it's already been mentioned healthcare is a sector that we continue to like. And thematically, we typically at Stiefel have liked and focused on sectors in recent years which cannot be disrupted, are not disrupted by the internet. Healthcare assets would be one nice residential i.e. lovely places to live is another retail is clearly not <laughs> kim have you got any thoughts on that yes i think i think that there are going to be some big themes that um change the way that property is used used over the next 10 to 15 years um i think the so industry in the industrial rev, the fourth industrial revolution i think is the the interesting one and how we use offices and what sort of uh, requirements there will be for office space and a lot's been talked about about the we work phenomenon and and how that's revolutionizing things i'm not entirely convinced that it that it's we work that's important in this story but the ways we work and the way particularly the millennial generation wants to work may mean that offices need to be used in a different way and technology needs to be brought into the way that we manage office space and occupy office space in a in a in a smarter way and will change perhaps the fundamentals of what a good good office looks like um the other things that I think are big themes for the next five to ten years are the demographic theme, which again goes back to thoughts about healthcare, thoughts about housing and how that's going to change. Um, in particular, 
there's been a lot of talk about how millennials don't want to own things anymore. So perhaps a shift away from ownership of housing to rental ha- rental housing and how that might change what our housing stock looks like um, for, for, for fit-for-purpose rentals. Um, so I think that those are, those are going to be big changes that perhaps influence what portfolios look like in 10 years' time. And there will be a move away from just the straight three classic retail office industrials to take in some of these changes in the way that people are living and the way that people are working. Perhaps, Kim, you'd like to borrow something from Anthony Trollope's most famous novel and paraphrase it to the way we work now rather than we live now. (laughs) Thank you for that, Mark. Um, Alison, uh, just bringing you on that, uh, Kim's clearly talked about some quite big thematic changes that are likely to be deriving how we use our current space, whether it's uh, where we live, where we work and so forth. But from your perspective as an investor who's trying to deliver a real estate exposure and consequently a a real estate return that's quite profound changes because I presume all you've ever had to really deal with is investing in retail office and industrial. In a previous life I had a lot of experience in uh, student halls and other type of uh, social housing I think it is important uh, to remember that our job is um, providing space to people who want to pay a rent on it, whatever that space is. And certainly on the in terms of the, um, the, the fourth industrial revolution, um, we have seen across our whole portfolio our own tenants putting forward proposals for fit-out as they've changed, as they've matured, as they've developed their ways of working in their offices. And it's typically reducing the amount of space that they want. Uh, bringing in more hot desking, much more working from home. I mean, even Fidelity's doing that now for its office move. So I think uh, we've seen the changes happening, those space requirements are reducing. And I think it makes a lot of sense to think about different sectors where you have got that long-term income. I mean, your best ultimate match for something that's a, a pension fund in terms of an investment should probably be something that's more in the residential sector. We've talked about disruption, we've talked about the retail, we've pretty much talked about everything, but barely mentioned Brexit. Is Brexit even a concern? Right, I'll go first on this one because um, it's it's obviously a topic where um, we could start off by saying no one knows exactly what it is yet and I'm not sure whether we will next year either. I I actually think that the structural changes, so uh, the move to online retailing, the change in the ways we're working, uh, the change in the ways we're living, are more important changes over the next three to five years in terms of the performance impact. And above and beyond that, certainly what we saw when uh, there was the Brexit vote and post that, the currency is a key driver of underlying performance of assets in the UK. We're very open to foreign investment and those those flows are going to be turned on and off dependent on uh, the position of the currency. Yeah, I agree with Alison. I think the currency question is an important one and it's not simply about Brexit. I think as we've seen um, quantitative easing unwinding and QT now happening in in the US, uh, that divergence in interest rates is going to start 
meaning that currencies move around a lot more and that they could have a big influence on investment into the UK and into Europe over the next two to three years, which is which Brexit just makes more difficult to judge because it creates that additional uncertainty too. But I think that those those trends in interest rates are going to have a big influence on what happens and those are going to be, again, more important than the uh, political issues that we're facing with Brexit. Uh, there is so much Brexit-related uncertainty out there at the moment that I have no doubt that stock markets will lurch downwards and upwards a lot in the coming months on the back of what appear to be certainties that haven't been factored in. But they'll recover quickly as well as the stock market gets used to a new norm. Um, so then lastly, looking forward, so you can each go and get your crystal balls out now. Um, what do you see as being the most significant change to investor allocations to the UK real estate market? Kim? Ooh. I think it is going to be this steady change in allocations away from the traditional sectors i think we will you know people will focus on income but they'll look at where that where else they can get income other than the commercial sectors i agree with kim people are going to be increasing their other sector it's already around about 10% of the average uh, portfolio um, things like student halls, hotels, care homes and the like. And I think that will continue to increase, in part driven by the fact that quite often they'll offer some index linking and longer leases. I'm going to boringly agree as well, but you, in, investors need to have their, their faces pressed very hard against the window of reality and understand that um, retail values will decline sustainably for a long time. And that is going to massively reduce retail allocations one way or t'other. On that note, Kim, Alison, Mark, thank you very much. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website, professionals.fidelity.co.uk forward slash about hyphen fidelity.